I just heard over here. This is going to be gnarly. Yeah. I don't know if I would go as far as saying gnarly, but this is going to be very deep. And as Lucas said, like, let's, let's respect and let's put our listening ears on. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Emily, and I am the Westwood Ministry intern here. Outside of Westwood, I own a private practice, and I'm a mental health practitioner, which means I counsel adolescents, teens, and young adults in things like anxiety, depression, self-harm, parental divorce, and even suicidal thoughts. I look out into this room and I can see that some of you might be struggling with that. I see the faces of some students that I saw struggling with that in my practice. These things are heavy. Friends, depression, self-harm, suicide, suicidal thinking, they're all very real things. And the reality is that many of you in this room have either experienced it yourself or you know someone that is experiencing it. This is heartbreaking to God. And it's vital that you know that more than anything, God's heart draws near to those who are brokenhearted, to those that are crushed in spirit. Even when we look at scripture, we see in Numbers 11, 14 through 15, that Moses couldn't handle the pressure. In 1 Kings 19, 14, Elijah, a prophet and a miracle worker, struggled with stress, strain, struggled fatigue and fear. We see that while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness, he became a broom, he came to a broom brush. He sat under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he says. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. This is what happens to the minds of some people that are stuck in that place, to some of us. We start to think that you're not, we're not enough, that we're not smart enough, that we're not good enough, that we're just not enough. And sometimes we think that we've had enough. When we look at Jonah 4.8, we see that Jonah was so irritated at God for having mercy on the pagan city that God rebuked and a desert wind came upon him and it, the effect was absolutely life draining. Jonah wanted to die. He thought he would be better off dead than to live. Sometimes people feel so bad that they want to die, even God's people. Sociologists have come up with this idea called flooding. Some of you may have heard of this. Flooding happens when intense feelings or thoughts sensations overwhelm our ability to be present in the moment, to attend to the reality of what is going on right now. 
It could be your own biology. It could be a mental health or social issue that's going on. It's these factors that define our reality as we know it, right? According to the National Alliance for Mental Illness, this is their definition. Mental illness is a medical condition that can disrupt a person's thinking, feeling, mood, and ability to relate to others and daily functioning. And often results in the diminished capacity for coping with the ordinary demands of life. Sometimes these forces that we experience are not from mental illness. They're from the external pressures that we endure in everyday life. We feel like we are drowning in a sea of our own emotions, that we're getting hit one wave after another. And it just seems to continue and we can't get out of it. Our ability to think clearly goes out the window. Our judgment gets so skewed along the way and we feel hopeless believing things will never get better. We feel helpless believing that there's nothing that anyone or anything can do about it. It creates dissonance and conflict inside of us. So when I was four years old, my mother passed away from a very terrible car accident. My dad and I raised each other. We were each other's everything. My dad remarried when I was 12 years old. And I quickly learned what the effects of alcohol and mental illness were. See, my new mother, she liked to party and wasn't quite the mothering type, okay? I was the one that ended up picking up after her and her friends. I was the one that was on the wrong side of her bad moods when she decided to degrade me and call me selfish and disrespectful. And as I went to college, her degrading only increased. It got to a point where one summer she took a swing at me. Luckily, I caught the punch. But unfortunately, it fractured my relationship with my father, my rock, my confidence, my best friend. Because of that fracture, I started to spiral out of control. I began to isolate myself, thinking that I wasn't enough because he had chosen his new wife. I made friends with the wrong crowd and I became increasingly depressed. I was so depressed that my days and my nights became one. My body became so heavy, it was paralyzed and I couldn't move outside of my bed. All I saw was darkness. I sobbed myself to sleep every single night in prayer. Prayer of frustration, prayer of despair, prayer of hope. Luckily, my faith stayed with me. And God was the light that I saw. He gave me the strength to get out of bed, to get help. And my story didn't start there. It didn't finish there. I struggled with many hardships growing up. I struggled with bullying, struggled with friends, struggled with abusive relationships and death. 
and I still continue to struggle with these things and more. See, flooding happens to everyone. We all have our moments of flooding. They can last hours. They can last days. They can last weeks, months, and even years. It is when people get stuck in these moments of flooding that they feel that they're not able to get over it, and they're completely overwhelmed by all of these feelings. They feel that they can't go on because the pressures keep surrounding them. And when flooding happens, it doesn't matter what we know. It doesn't matter what others tell us what to do because your emotions take over your whole sense of self. We will do anything to eliminate that pain. Some of us may harm ourselves in order to release that pain. Some of us have blocked out our emotions because they have been too hard and we self-harm in order to feel. In serious cases of flooding, we begin to think that we shouldn't be here anymore, that nobody would miss us anyways, that we would be better off dead, my friends. Suicide is the second leading cause of death in young people from the ages of 10 to 24. 54%, more than half of suicides are by people who do not have a known mental health condition. And suicide rates continue, as do our internal and external pressures on society. If we look at the 23rd Psalm, the psalmist describes his personal flooding experience. We often see the psalm in funerals because we think of it describing death. But if we look closely, these words are not about death. If we look at Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley. The Hebrew word of the original poem was the valley of the deepest darkness. The psalmist wasn't dying. He felt like he was dying. Sure, death is the last deep, dark valley that we go through. But there are just as dark and deep of valleys that we go through in our life. We may call them by other names. We may call them anxiety. We may call them depression. We may call them a broken relationship or failure. But when you are in your valley and your emotions are flooding, it seems impossible. You feel like you're trying to climb up a mountain that's filled with oil and you just keep slipping down. The truth of it is that these feelings will subside. Depression comes and goes just as waves come and crash, but the tide eventually goes out to sea. So my friends, when the feelings feel like they're too much to handle, here are two ways to help you get through this horrible time. First, reduce your pain and increase your coping resources. By coping resources... I want you to do something that is soothing to you. 
And if you feel stuck in trying to figure out what that is, try to use your five senses. Try to figure out what you see that is soothing to you or what you hear, what you taste, what you smell, what you touch. I will say to you that I suggest that you avoid drugs, that you avoid alcohol, and that you avoid vaping in these times of soothing because, yes, they may handle your situation now. But as you move forward, in the long run, it's only going to make it harder and the problem bigger and the pain increasingly larger. Number two is increasing your coping strategies by creating a safety plan. Your safety plan doesn't have to be six pages long. It can be a list of steps that you do that help you when you have these feelings of flooding, when you are having urges of self-harm, when you are having suicidal thoughts. They can be as simple as listening to music. You can listen to your favorite song. You can practice breathing for five minutes. If you are still feeling that urge, if you are still feeling the sense that you want to harm yourself or having suicidal thoughts or that your emotions are too large that you can't handle them, then move to another step and keep working through your safety plan. And if you get to that end of that safety plan, please reach out. If you need to have your safety plan signed by you and someone else as your witness that this is what you're going to do, to hold you accountable that that's what your plan is, do it. Because friends, ending your life, ending the pain by death, robs you for what God's purpose is for you once that pain subsides. And it robs us from seeing God's glorious power working through you. I'm here to tell you that you matter, that you are enough, that you are so loved. And without each and every single one of you, there would be a gaping hole in this world. That yes, you guys are each individual and you are each unique. But if you were not here, there would be a hole. That you are special, not only to this world, but to your families to your small groups, to your friends, to us here, and to God. And when you are pressed with flooding, do as the psalmist, walk. Because God did not make us to sit in those deep, dark valleys. The words couldn't have been chosen even more carefully because we walk through the deepest, darkest valley. When you cannot see, when you are weak, when you are heavy with sorrow, God will guide you through the other side. He will give you hope. So to those who are depressed, those who are feeling lonely, who are consistent pain, are feeling rejected, unseen, unsupported, there is nothing too big, nothing too challenging, too dark, that God has not already stepped in with you.
because this is the heart of God for you and for me. If anything, if anything, I want you to know that these thoughts, these feelings, they're normal. And understanding your thoughts are not good or bad. They're just that. They're just thoughts. They don't define you. And they don't define others who have them. If anything, we need to speak on our thoughts. We need to love and cherish those around us and share those thoughts. So we can walk together in these dark valleys. So we can ask for help to those that we trust. I encourage you to speak up, to reach out and get help if you struggle. Thoughts of suicide, consistent pain, self-harm. Reach out. As we close today, I'm going to invite our worship team back up, and I'm going to invite our prayer warriors to the front of the stage to offer prayer with us. And I challenge you to step up and step forward in this time of healing and prayer so that you don't get over it, so that you're not moving on and getting on with it, but so that you can walk through it with us together. And if you choose to come up, know that we'll be offering this prayer in faith. It will be a brief prayer focused on God's power to heal. So you can choose whichever line you want to go to. Let's let God meet us. Won't you pray with me? Father, we come with simplicity of faith and trust in you. You heal because you care. You heal broken bodies. You heal wounded relationships. You heal flooding emotions. We ask that with your eyes you look down and be glorified. That with your ears you hear our prayers and that you are glorified. And that with your righty, right mighty hand that you reach down and touch people with healing, encouragement, and be glorified. For we come asking only in the name of